back to another episode of the Freedom Talks podcast, everybody. This is your host, Joe Ogden. And today I am joined by Dr. Matt Ferlindis from Bioendurance PT. Matt and I actually are both Carroll University graduates. Go Pioneers. Um, and Matt and I actually used to work together a little bit um, at our past company. Um, and then a couple of weeks ago, I would say it was a couple of weeks ago, I saw Matt's um, new business and um, joined his um, newsletter. Um, and after he started sending, I think it was the first one or first two out, I knew that I wanted to try and get back in touch with Matt. So I I took a little gamble and hoped that his um, webinar was not um, an automated email, that if I responded to it, he got the uh, response and he did. So Matt, welcome. Thanks for joining this morning or this afternoon, I should say. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Joe. Matt, tell us a little bit kind of about your background, uh, PT school and how you got to starting bioendurance. Um, so I graduated from PT school back in 2017. So about six years or so now. And, um, Kind of started working in like an outpatient PT clinic and found that I really liked working with uh, sports patients and especially more like sports medicine type patients um, after a lot of different injuries. And so um, I kind of fed into that passion a little bit more. I had been a lifelong runner and so I'd always enjoyed running and always wanted to kind of specialize more into that realm of things. And so eventually I um, decided to go through with a sports residency in physical therapy um, that's run through um, a company called Evidence in Motion or EIM. And so that was uh, about 18 months of more intensive sports medicine specific training um, and mentorship, which was a really great opportunity for me to just kind of sharpen my skills with that um, patient population and to um, just advance uh, myself and my knowledge with that whole population. And all of this, this whole time was kind of in the effort of eventually one day starting my own clinic. And that kind of brings us to where we are here. I started bioendurance back in May of this year. So we've been going for about three months or so now. And um, it's just kind of been a fulfillment of a lifelong dream to kind of have my own clinic that specializes in more endurance athletes and runners. So yeah. How's that transition gone from because you were, um, I would assume, in a private practice before or bigger system yeah. before. Yeah. So right now um, I'm working part time in more of a hospital based setting. And then okay. the other part time is spent working on bioendurance um, okay. as I start to kind of build up that caseload a little bit more. So kind of split in between now, but spending a decent amount of time with bioendurance. Yeah. Are you outpatient at, at your other part time job? Yes, I am outpatient. I am outpatient. So um, it is definitely more sports medicine based, um, but yeah. I do treat a lot of different things. Um, but yeah. And bioendurance, are you in Franklin only? Or are you doing remote training as well? Um, so I do some remote coaching services. Um, I've chatted with a few people from really all over the country already. Um, but physical therapy services, my clinic is located in um, Franklin itself. And since I only have a Wisconsin PT license, I can do some like telemedicine services through bioendurance, but the patients have to be physically located in Wisconsin to treat them since my license only applies to Wisconsin itself. Okay. So basically online would just be a general consult, no actual treatment. 
Correct. Uh, unless they're in Wisconsin, then it can involve more treatment. But um, coaching can kind of be anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, really. Okay. Now, actually, as I just noticed behind you, I'm going to assume you're mm-hmm. a David Goggins fans with the new book that's behind yeah. you. Have you yep, read it? Yep. Yes, um, I've read it and uh, listened to his audiobook too. He puts a pretty cool audiobook out where he kind of does like a mix of audiobook, podcast, all of that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, I've listened to it and loved it. And yeah, it's been a good good inspiration with my own training and also business ventures of starting bioendurance. So, yeah. I think he's a perfect guy to kind of uh, bridge uh, to the next um, kind of topic of today's podcast too. Um, and really talking about the endurance athlete whether you're just beginning or you are um, an expert, so to speak, as I think David could qualify for as being an expert, because I think he's one of the best endurance people on this planet. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Kind of how did you get started kind of with bioendurance and how does it influence you now as an endurance athlete? Um, So um, I'd started running all the way back in high school and really developed a passion. I was never like super good or anything like that. But um, back in high school, um, it was around the time of like the uh, 2008 um, Beijing Olympics. And Ryan Hall was the American um, Olympian that was running the marathon. And he didn't have a super great race or anything, but I was like really following him. And I'd prescribed to um, Runner's World magazine. And so I like poured myself into like loads and loads of articles of runners world magazines. And I saw many times that it was, they were interviewing physical therapists or trainers or things like that. And that kind of planted the seed for me, like wanting to become a physical therapist and um, with my passion for running and eventually getting into more triathlons, um, especially going through PT school and everything like that, it, it made me realize kind of more of that niche component that 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 endurance athletes definitely have and so they require a special kind of treatment um and special focus and um it's hard to understand where endurance athletes and runners are coming from until you are one yourself until you have the same goals and have the same visions and and things of that nature and so that's kind of where bioendurance kind of evolved from essentially was um trying to put myself in a position where I could become more specialized in treating runners and treating endurance athletes, where I could have my own clinic and have my own space where I could, um, you know, really offer to runners and endurance athletes looking for more specialized individuals, individualized care that really puts endurance athletes and runners at the forefront and really pays attention to the specifics of them and the specifics of running as a whole. Um, and, and yeah, and it's all been in an effort to create more of that individualized approach to runners, which sometimes is hard to get in traditional outpatient types clinics. So, yeah. where What did you see or where did you see that biggest efficiency when trying to treat runners? Well, um, a lot of times it is. Or um, triathletes. Yeah, it? yeah. So especially when you're in more like an outpatient orthopedic type of clinic, um, we're, a lot of it goes through insurance, right? You know, insurance pays for physical therapy treatment, insurance pays for you to kind of get back to what you need to do. 
And so um, insurance can sometimes make a lot of rules around that in terms of what you can go for. And so just as a basic example, let's say somebody really wants to run a marathon and it's their goal to run a marathon. Let's say they're struggling with um, Achilles tendinopathy or something like that. Something that is obviously going to be detrimental to them being able to achieve their goal of running a marathon. Um, a lot of times insurance isn't really going to pay for a runner to be able to run to a marathon because that's it's not necessarily needed with everyday activities. But once that athlete re achieves the ability to get through their day without pain, achieves their ability to function, get back to work, get back to family, then insurance kind of stops paying for it. But that's far from the end of their journey if they really want to run a marathon. That's 26.2 miles of load on the Achilles tendon. And so um, I feel like when in more traditional um, settings, it's harder to get more of that specialized care all the way through the plan of care, all the way up to leading them to being able to run that marathon just because in insurance oftentimes puts those restrictions on how long we can treat for, what type of treatments we can do, all of those types of things. I think that's a huge challenge just in general. And I think, I mean, quite honestly, I think that could be a different podcast in itself with yeah a bunch of different providers is trying to figure out, okay, you have some of these patients in front of you. Yes, they are functional. I think we all would agree at some of this stuff. Yes, they're functional, but they still need something. What are we supposed to do? Mm -hmm. Just, just say I, insurance isn't going to pay for it. Yeah. And so I feel like as PTs too, we always have, I mean, if you're a PT, you want you're a PT because you want to help people. Yeah. And so that was always a place where I was like, oh man, I wish I could provide more for these people. But there was just a certain point where I just couldn't provide anything more just because I wasn't allowed to. Um, and so that just is kind of a bummer when you're really trying to help someone and you're limited with how far you can really go with them. Yeah. Now, since um, starting uh, BioEndurance the past three months, um, have you focused on, or I should say, have you seen more runners versus um, um, people that bike a lot endurance wise or triathletes, or is it kind of a mix? Um, I would probably say it's more skewed to runners. Um, I know it's the summer in Wisconsin, year. so that probably changes yeah. a little bit. Yeah, it's definitely a little bit more skewed to runners. And I think that just makes sense just based off running is just a very, um, a lot of times we don't think about it like this, but it's um, a very high load activity. And so with a lot of repetition. Um, and so because of that, you're a little bit more prone to injuries um, because of that versus like in triathlon, um, swimming injuries can often happen for sure, especially since a lot of times endurance athletes aren't necessarily used to upper body work um, if they're coming more from a running background. But swimming and biking are a little bit more low impact activities, whereas running is a lot more high impact activity. Um, and so that's where a lot of injuries can come from. What are you seeing or what do you think is one of the most um, prevalent uh, runner's injuries? Um, I think probably most prevalent would be um, the two that come to mind most are number one would be tendinopathy issues 
or where there is some dysfunction and irritation within the tendon itself. Um, and, and that comes from a level of overuse of running. Um, and that's where a majority of running injuries come from is overuse or overloading the tissues too much. And those tissues start to break down. Um, I feel like any runner has probably had some sort of experience with a tendinopathy issue. Um, some tendon, whether it's their Achilles, um, patellar tendon, whatever it may be. Um, and that's definitely one of the most prevalent ones. And I know research is showing like a really high incidence of running injuries. Um, some research reports incidence of running injuries in runners to be as much as 85%. So like 85% of runners experience an injury at some point. And that's just a crazy high amount when you really think about it. Um, the other big injury that I would say that a lot of runners have is another overuse injury is more of like a patellofemoral pain syndrome where you're getting pain present at the front of the knee. Um, a lot of times that can kind of come about um, at different points of running, um, landing, um, when they're taking a step, the beginning of runs, end of runs, things of that nature. Um, but with both tendinopathies and patellofemoral pain syndrome, there's a lot of um, biomechanical, I guess you could say, impacts on those on those types of injuries and a lot of um, biomechanics that can oftentimes um, cause or enforce those injuries, as well as a lot of biomechanic changes, whether it's through strengthening, running technique changes that can also treat those. So I would say those are two very prevalent ones, but two also very treatable injuries. I think running is really unique. And I say this from the background as I played college baseball, which is a bunch of different motions that make up the game of baseball running is just that you are doing the same mm -hmm. thing, the same motion, give or take, even though your form might alter depending on where you are in the race, but you're, that's all you're doing. Yeah. Back and forth, it's back, and forth back and forth. It's over and over again. And it's that repetition. And it's also, um, if we look about it, but the body really has three planes of motion, right? There's the sagittal plane, or like if you think of like a bicep curling up and down, there is the frontal plane, or if you think of the arm moving straight out to the side, and then there's transverse plane where we're rotating at the spine or something like that. And running is almost purely sagittal plane, and we're not you know, getting as much of the transverse plane or frontal plane, uh, which means a lot of the time we're just really overusing certain muscles and we're not activating other muscles enough. And so for runners that aren't necessarily used to moving in the frontal or transverse planes, um, that can be where a lot of injuries come from and where they kind of originate from as well. And how many, and this could be on the course of your career too, how many runners do you see that, and I just read your blog um, last week, two of the uh, uh, load versus the capacity of our tissues or external and um, internal load and um, my own marathon training right now. And this is the first time I've ever done it. So I have nothing to compare this to. How many people do you see that their training is so far off where it should be as far as getting the body prepared and they're just doing too much too fast right away? Yeah, um, that's probably definitely the majority of where a lot of injuries come from. It's that overloading too fast, too quick kind of mentality. Um, and it's hard to do that. It's hard to not fall into that category because if you're an endurance athlete, you want to, if you're training for a race or training for a specific distance, you want to get there as fast as possible. And so it's hard to sometimes slow yourself down and have that patience 
um, to, um, you know, progress very, very slowly. But the classic is like the 10% rule, right? Um, I think it was a article by Nielsen et al. that said can really only, you should really only increase by 10% every week. So let's say if you run 10 miles is your baseline. Really, you should really only go up to 11 miles the next week and then another 1.1 mile the next week and, and so forth and so on. And so I think a lot of injuries happen at that beginning phase because we're not used to it. And so as a result, we progress a little bit too quickly. We progress a little bit too fast. We start to do more intense running too quickly into that training regimen. And so our body isn't quite adapted or ready for that. And so as a result, a lot of the tissues and body structures break down and become dysfunctional and be can become irritated and painful. Now, if you're um, um, an endurance athlete, whether you're looking to just run your first 5K or um, marathon or even uh, triathlon or even an Ironman, um, although I don't know how many people are just waking up without knowing what an Ironman is besides one guy, yeah. Nick Bear, in this country and just doing it. Um, where does it, where do you start as a uh, endurance athlete? Yeah. I mean, first is just having that goal or having that thought, right? Whether it is starting small with a 5K or whether it's having the more ambitious goal to do a marathon or half Ironman, full Ironman. So, I mean, first is just having that goal and realizing that you want to accomplish that um, because then it kind of puts you into the realm of, okay, what do I have to do um, to achieve that? Um, and then from there, it's it's starting low and giving yourself an ample amount of time. I think that's where one people fall into is they look three months ahead and they're like, oh, in three months, it'd be so cool to do a marathon. But really, three months isn't really that much time to be able to progress yourself from, you know, low lumming, low running or limited running to being able to run 26.2 miles successfully. So um, it's giving yourself enough time to accomplish that goal, because when you give yourself more time, you're going to put yourself in a better realm of success and with a better probability of success. Um, and then from there, it's it's a lot of basic kind of training principles. We have something called the SED principle, of course, as you know, specific adaptations to impose demands. So if we're not used to running, we need to get our body ready to tackle the volume, the miles, the number of foot strikes. We need to adapt ourselves to that. And that's by starting low and progressively overloading our body so it gets a little bit stronger and a little bit faster and um, and slowly going through there. And I would definitely advise, you know, people if they have a big goal or they have a very big ambitious goal, they necessarily don't need to work with a coach full time, but chat with somebody that has experience with it, whether it is a PT or coach, because it can kind of get you started in the right direction with it. But um, a general rule of thumb and kind of what I like to follow is we should increase running frequency first. So frequency in terms of like how many times a week that we run. So if you're running two times a week and it's your goal to run five times a week, you should progress frequency first. And then duration, um, once you achieve your uh, ideal frequency, um, duration or how many miles you're running or how long you're running and then last we should start to include intensity after that so usually if we progress in those three realms and in that order that sets us up sets us up for pretty good success but again it's making sure that you give yourself enough time to progress well and making sure that 
you're not trying to rush train because that's generally where injuries can can start to take shape. I would agree too. Now you just did a marathon two months. Was it two months ago? The one in Duluth? Yeah, it was uh, just about two, two months ago, two and a half months ago, grandma's marathon up in Duluth, Minnesota. Um, it was a cool race. I, I enjoyed it. How was it? Uh, it was cool. It was the first time I'd ever done grandma's marathon. Um, it's been a race I'd always wanted to do. It's just got a very like Northwoods feel to it. And I always grew up vacationing in the Northwoods. So it made for a, a really cool setting and a really cool race to run. And how'd you do? Or you just, uh, good. Yeah, it was good. I, I accomplished my goal. So I had two goals leading into it. I wanted to be able to do a PR and leading into that, I had done three hours, 52 minutes was my PR. And then, um, the second goal was to not like overall just blow up. I had done two, um, marathons prior to that and they had gone really well for like 18 miles. And then I like blew up and almost had to walk run like the last, last, um, six to eight miles of it. So those are my two goals and I accomplished it. I got a three hour, 49 minute. Um, so I was a PR. Um, and then I was able to actually run the second half of the race faster than the first half by a, a minute or two. So uh, my pace actually increased a bit, a little bit or stayed the same throughout the race. So I was very pleased with that. I was very happy to accomplish those goals. So, yeah. What, um, what were your keys to success, especially in the second half as I mean, was it a nutrition, hydration, all the above training? Yeah, I think a lot of it had to do with nutrition and hydration for me. Um, I made the decision to run with a hydration belt or like one of those vests that kind of go on. I'd never done that before, um, but I had been training with a specific um, a nutrition or a specific fluid that gives me a decent number of calories. And so I just kind of had that fluid with me and kind of stayed up with it and then took water in aid stations. Um, and I mean, no matter what, if you're running a marathon, the second half is going to hurt a little bit. There's no doubt about it. And so um, I made a point to stop and walk through the aid station just so I could get as much water hydration and some Gatorade Powerade um, as much as I could. Um, and that is what I think kind of helped me a little bit as I just took the time to intake that. And, um, I gave myself enough time to be able to intake that and get ready and just ran to the next one. And by that point they were like every mile or so. So it was kind of running from one aid station to another, getting the nutrition and then running to the next one. Do you have any other races that are upcoming? No. So, um, grandma's marathon was supposed to be like the first race for me for the year. Um, but two weeks later, I just realized I wasn't recovering as well as I, I should have. And so, um, I actually went to the doctor and they told me I had mono of all things. I had a mono infection of all things. <laughs> and then that got followed up by a bacterial infection in my, um, in my throat, um, oh, wow. in one of my tonsils. And so those two things kind of put me down for about three to four weeks or so of not being able to train, not being able to run. Um, cause my body was obviously fighting a different battle. So I had plans to do, um, Ironman Wisconsin in two weeks, um, from now, but I deferred that to next year. So that was the ultimate a race for me for the year, but with getting sick in July, it just, wasn't feasible and it was just going to be kind of going back to our conversation before I was, 
it was going to be way too much to try to get myself up to the position of volume and training to be able to accomplish that. And so I was like, it's better to put my health first and kind of pull the plug on that and delay that to next year. And mono is not fun. I had it in college. I don't think I'd wish that. No. On anybody. And there's really nothing that they can do for you. It's just like, you have mono. no, it's just, it's, yeah, it's just a matter of, um, a matter of waiting it out. And it was so weird because I turned 30 in June and I, get mono and I get told I have to have my tonsils taken out. And I'm just like, <laughs> shouldn't I have done both of these like a while Way back? before? <laughs> yeah. So that um, was kind of funny, but. Now, were you sick when that big triathlon came to Milwaukee? Uh, no, that... I'd gotten better by then. That Did... was uh, beginning I saw of you went down August. There. And I saw you went oh, down yeah. there. It was awesome. It was awesome. I'm a huge triathlon fan. I follow the pros very closely. So I was not going to miss an opportunity to actually go see them live. Um, it was the uh, PTO professional triathlete organization, U S open races. And so it's literally like the best of the best, um, triathletes. We had two, two past Olympic gold medalists in triathlon there running, um, multiple past world champions on both the men's and women's side. And so it was, it was a cool race to watch and witness. So we were there on Sunday morning for the amateur. And I mean, even yeah. that was a, a pretty lively crowd and a cool, um, thing to witness too. I can only imagine what Friday and if you went Saturday too, for the women's professional people were compared to the, um, the amateurs. Yeah, it was it was really cool. It was it was just cool to be able to watch them and be that close to them setting up their bikes and yeah, it was it was a cool experience for sure. I would definitely do that again if if they came back to Milwaukee. You know, I heard the I think it was the was Ben Stone, is that name the guy who won the Friday first place for the men's? Jan Ferdinio. Was there a stone from America? Um, it was, he, I believe he won the Olympic race in, for the USA triathlon nationals on somebody, Saturday. I want to say somebody Jan for Jan for won the UPTO okay. US open men's race. I had a patient tell me right after that, that they were out Friday or Saturday night, downtown Milwaukee. And one of the bigger racers who won was out celebrating and said that he was going to Germany the next day or something. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I believe that there were a lot of a lot of guys I had heard went out that night and to celebrate the race and just hang out and whatnot. So, um, but yeah, it was cool. It was cool. How Thanks. long is the? Because I our a friend of ours, she did the the sprints, and obviously that's smaller. How far was the um, the race Friday? Um, so the run, P bike, swim, the professionals. Yeah. So the PTO or professional triathlete organization is kind of creating their own distances for the race. They do a 100 K race. So it's a two kilometer swim, 80 kilometer bike, and then 18 kilometer run. So okay. it is just a little bit shorter than a half Ironman by about 10 to 11 total miles or so. Okay. Actually, but it's kind of its own specialized distance. Okay, that's why I was because it seemed like obviously the sprint is obviously much shorter, but it seemed like the race Friday was way longer compared to the sprint. I thought they were generally pretty close for someone who doesn't know too much about triathlons. Yeah, the professionals did it, and I believe Jan Fredenio did it in three hours fourteen minutes. I believe his finish time was so it takes them about three three hour three and a quarter three and a half hours or so to complete that distance. And how is that time compared to how is that compared to every, everyone else? 
I mean, is that, is that flying? Um, yeah, that he was, he had a remarkable race. I forget. Um, I believe he was 30 seconds over second and third place. And then a lot of the other professional men were anywhere from three hours, 20 minutes to three hours, 30 minutes. So it's like he was ahead of everyone, but everyone was still pretty close in performance. And that's why the professional races are such good races. Um, and everyone's so close in performance and it's really about who has it that day and who doesn't. So I think that applies to any professional sport, quite honestly, yeah. skill level yeah, one, is the same. Mm-hmm. 100%. And that's why all the, the strategies of the race is so intriguing. And majority of people would not find a three hour race interesting, but I absolutely love it. So <laughs> that's, that's where I want to finish too, is leading the next segue is I know you've completed an Ironman and I think, yeah. For me, looking at endurance stuff and getting involved in the endurance space, to me, the Ironman is um, kind of the, the pinnacle of endurance sports on top of ultra marathons, which is, I think is a different topic. But tell us a little bit mm-hmm. about your first Ironman, kind of what went into it, what it felt like to finish, everything mm-hmm. that went, was a part of it. Yeah, so um, I did my first Ironman back in 2018, um, and so um, this kind of goes back to high school and beginning of college too. As I'd always wanted to do an Ironman, um, especially when I was in high school. Every summer in August, um, NBC aired like an hour-long documentary about the Ironman um, on like a random Saturday in August, and it was about the previous year's World Championship race down in Kona, Hawaii, and so. I'd always grown up watching that every single year and just being like, I want to do that one day. Um, and so obviously going through undergrad college, PT school, it just wasn't, I just didn't have the time to train to be able to accomplish that goal of just putting all my focus into school and whatnot. And so I graduated in 2017 and was like, okay, I'm going to do an Ironman. So, um, I spent about a year, a year and a quarter training for it total, um, because I've never done those types of distances before, except for the marathon, but um, swimming 2.4 miles, biking 112 miles, I was pr- still pretty new at that point to both swimming and biking. So um, I gave myself a whole year to kind of get ready for it, um, which a lot of Ironman preparation and a lot of the challenge of it is entirely the training. It's, it's um, you know, putting in 10 to 14 hours a week of just training. Um, and so so it's kind of like having a part-time job on the side. So it eats up a lot of time, um, but it's still rewarding all at the same time to be able to um, devote yourself to a goal and to devote your full motivation and attention to achieving that goal. Um, it really sets up a good atmosphere of growth and learning about yourself and all of those types of things. So um, I really like the training. It gets exhausting at points, but um, it's very well worth it um, to to be able to do so. Um, but the race as a whole was really, really fun. Um, I don't know if people remember, but back in 2018 in August, we had gotten some really torrential rain and it created like, especially in Madison, got hit really hard by the rain and it had created like the hundred years flood in Madison of like streets flooding. Um, the, the swim is held in Lake Monona and, um, it had flooded over and caused a lot of issues. And this was like maybe three weeks before the race. And so I was so worried going into the race because I was like, well, 
you know, it's kind of a bummer that the swim might get canceled because I was thinking at that point there was a chance swim could get canceled with elevated water levels. There's a chance of like E. coli bacterial, you know, infections in the water. And so I was so worried because I was like, I want to do a full Ironman and that includes a swim. And so, uh, but that, that luckily kind of all dissipated and we were able to do the swim, the whole bike and the whole run. Um, the race as a whole was awesome. I, I, many people kind of describe it as a celebration of all your training. And I would definitely agree with that. Um, it, I was just trying to enjoy the whole day and just being able to, you know, be happy with how I did and, um, uh, being able to accomplish that full day of racing. Um, the Madison course is really fun. Um, it's a challenge, especially on the bike. There's like a, decent amount of hills. Um, there's about 5,200 feet of climbing, which is kind of equates to about a mile of vertical climbing and elevation gain throughout the whole course. Um, so that kind of is tiring. Um, but it was great. The only thing I wish I could have done better is I wish I could have had a stronger run. And that's my goal for next year. And the Ironman next year is to have a stronger run off of the bike, but that's kind of a challenge in and of itself to be able to do. But I finished with two minutes to spare of my 14 hour goal. So I did it in 13 hours, 58 minutes. Um, so two minutes to spare and yeah, I was, I was quite thrilled, quite happy. And yeah, I would, can't wait to do it again. What would you say, um, was the hardest part of the race or even training or as I like to call it, when you go down in that, you know, kind of dark place where you know that you just had to put your head down. Eventually you're going to come out of this painful experience or mentally painful experience? Yeah. Yeah. I would say, um, the run was probably the hardest part of the whole day. Cause by that point you're just zapped and the sun's going down and you're like, uh, you know, the, I think the, one of the worst parts of mentally challenging parts is it's two lap course. And when you come to the halfway point, they set up two signs and one sign is pointing to the left and it says second loop. And then one sign's pointing to the right and it says to finish. And you're just like, oh, I wish I could take a right <laughs> turn here, but I got to go another 13 miles. Um, but probably the the most memorable part of the whole day was I got to about a mile left and my then girlfriend, now wife was like waiting for me there. And I was like, what, what are you doing? You should be at the finish line. Like I'm about to finish this race. But she was like, you only have like uh, 12 more minutes to finish before 14 hours. I had to come out and make sure that you were going to make sure that you were running. Cause I think she had saw on my tracker that I was slowing down a little bit. And so she came out and was like, you gotta, you gotta go. And I was like, okay, I'm trying, but I'm going as fast as I can. And so yeah. the last mile I worked so, so hard, I was running as fast as I could. And I, I did in fact make it, but as my wife likes to remind me she beat me in that last mile so she had to run the same distance as me and she beat me and made it to the finish line first um so she likes to say that that's the only race she's ever beaten me in <laughs> um but yeah that was a really exciting moment and then just being able to run down the the you know typical red and black carpet that they have set up and mike riley who's kind of a voice of iron man he's retired now he calls you out as an iron man and just having that experience it's it's priceless i'll remember that forever so it was just success and it's just uh icing on the cake of everything that you've worked for and all the training that you put in through the past year and all the really early mornings and five, six hour bike rides. It's just all a kind of a celebration of that. So I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. I mean, I think that's uh, obviously a huge accomplishment. And I think, you know, people in the endurance space 
that is the goal is to that finish, regardless of what race it is, whether it's marathon, 5k, half marathon, whatever to get to that finish, I think is what you're hoping for. 100%. Everyone has so many reasons, whether it's for yourself or proving, um, you know, proving that you can do something like that, or whether it's doing it for family or cause. And that's the, that's the beauty of endurance and running. Everyone has their own reason for doing what they love to do and running. And so uh, that adds to all the variety of it. And that's another reason I love doing what I do, because when I'm working with someone, I get to learn about their reasons for doing it. And we may, we like the same thing of running, but a lot, sometimes it's for completely different reasons. And so it's just cool to learn that about people and uh, be able to meet them at their level with that. Well, Matt, it's been awesome to catch up with you after mm-hmm. a couple of years now, since we've worked together, really appreciate you taking the time to talk a little bit today especially about the endurance athlete for anyone who's interested in starting and just talking about your experiences as a whole and i hope bioendurance gets off to a start and you're doing it full-time relatively shortly i appreciate it that's a goal one day but um slowly but surely and just kind of building a following and and building some clientele and all of that and it comes with anything else it's just like running a race it's just going to take time and you got to be patient and you got to put the work in Exactly. Well, thank you again, Matt. It's good to talk with you. If anybody has any questions for me at Freedom, you can reach us at freedomphysicaltherapy.com. And I'll let Matt let us know where if you have questions about running or just curious about endurance training in itself, um, where to where people can um, locate you as well. Um, so my clinic is over in uh, Franklin in kind of the industrial park area, but easiest ways to reach me are um, through probably Instagram. I have an Instagram account, um, bioendurance Matt. Um, and then it's pretty easy to access my website from there, um, which is bioendurancept.com. Um, people can also email me really easily. Um, it is matt at bioendurancept.com. Um, but otherwise, yeah, those are probably the easiest ways for people to reach out if they have any questions or concerns or anything of that nature. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.